Welcome, everyone, to the first edition of the Metal Exchange Podcast. I am your host, Justin Kramer, and along with me for the ride this week and every week is Chris Nietzsche. How are you doing, bud? Good. How are you? I am doing great. Uh, just to, because this is obviously the first time we're doing this, I want to give the listeners a real sense of what it is we are doing each and every week here on the Metal Exchange. Uh, each week, we are going to take a deep dive into one of uh, a classic heavy metal or hard rock disc or possibly even a new hard rock and heavy metal disc each and every week just to give the listeners a sense of what two average joes think of the album uh we'll include links to the albums where you can actually hear the material where you could buy merchandise buy if you if you if you like what you hear obviously we want to support the bands as we do this each and every week um and i guess just as an introduction why don't we give a little bit of uh, information as to who we are and, and basically how long we've been listening to this stuff uh, yeah, let's uh, let's do it. Um, we, me and you, have been friends since I don't know 1996, probably. And I think the music kind of came um, came up to to our doorstep, probably in the following year. I think is where we really started to pick up on on power metal and progressive metal. Um, and it's it's only just uh, exploded for us over over the years since then. Yeah, that's 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 absolutely right. I just to go back a little bit. I had been listening to uh, bands like Metallica and Megadeth and Tool um, going back to as early as late 1994, early 1995. But I had never heard of power metal or progressive metal or death metal or thrash metal. That was all I mean, or like, you know, real obscure thrash metal. That was all foreign to me. I had never heard anything like that uh, until 1997, as you said. And um just by way of introduction, you know, we're going to be getting into one of the classic progressive metal discs, Fate's Warning's 1994 release, Inside Out. And uh, when when I had the idea for the podcast, I actually asked you to pick the first album, and you would pick this album, which was a surprise to me, because knowing your bread and butter and what it is that you like, I was surprised you didn't go with a power metal disc, which is kind of like your, uh, your bread and butter, your forte, whereas I'm more of a prog guy, I think you're more of a power metal fan. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, it's just, I, I just look back at this album, and and as much as I love power metal, I definitely have a warm spot in my heart for prog metal. And Fate's Warning is probably at the top of the list as far as prog metal bands that I, that I've loved over the years. And this album, at least for me, served as as an introduction to to that band. Yeah, totally. This was a a, a gateway in a number of a number of ways. Um, I think it would be very very cool to kind of share how it is that we first got exposed to fate's warning and this album in particular and i guess i'll, I'll let you do the honors and talk about uh the mixtape well um in 1997 i was uh, turning 15 years old and uh i had a friend that i w- uh, went to high school with uh named ralph and we would um we would just uh, sit together during lunch and talk about stuff. And, and I recall going over to his house and hearing a song here, a song there. And then I, I remember it being um, Chance by Sabotage from their Handful of Rain album, which also came out in 1994, um, just blowing my mind. And I remember sitting at the lunch table and saying, Ralph, I, you don't have to get me anything for my birthday, but could you just make me a mixtape? And yeah, I'm probably dating myself a little bit when I say mixtape, but um, of all this metal stuff that you listen to, because I'm interested to see 
what it's like. And so he made this tape and it had Halloween and Stradivarius and Angra and, but also prog bands like Fate's Warning and Shadow Gallery and Rush. And um, the first song, um, he put two songs, both from inside out. One was outside looking in and the other was monument. And um, I knew that based on those two songs, I really wanted to hear the rest of the album and know, and listen to more of Fate's Warning from that point on. I couldn't agree more. There were two. I love that tape right away, and I had the pleasure of listening to it around the same time that you got it. And and when I heard it, there were two tracks in particular that just jumped out at me right away. The first was "Black Diamond" by Stradivarius, which is the antithesis of what we're going to be talking about today. But when you hear the keyboards at the start of that song, I had never heard anything like it. It took the parts of, of Metallica and uh, Tool and, and the, the heaviness that those bands, or at least at the time that I thought the heaviness of, that those bands had, but with the melodic, um, the, the melodic interludes that I had just never, ever heard before. And that's what had me hooked initially. That was the first track. The second track was Monument by Fate's Warning, which is obviously the perfect segue into uh, Inside Out. Monument... Um, to this day is one of my favorite songs. And no matter how many times I play it, I just, it never gets old. It, it's a song that is a quintessential progressive metal song. Uh, and without further ado, I, I guess let's get into uh, Inside Out and, 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 and really kind of take a dive into, um, into this album. As I stated earlier, it came out by Fate's Warning in 1994 uh, during the summer. It has 10 tracks. It totals about 48 minutes in length. And uh, this album is uh, kind of during a transition period for the band. And, and the reason I say that is the early Fates Warning albums sound nothing like Inside Out. Nothing. Uh, the first three discs had a different vocalist. Obviously, John Arch was singing for them at the time. Um, they came out with three albums that were really more of a uh, like an Iron Maiden, heavy metal, power metal influence there. And they were great, but it was just very, very different. But as the lineup changed uh, in and around 1987, when John Arch left the band and Ray Alder joined, they really went to more of a progressive sound. Would you agree? Absolutely. I mean, it's kind of, I've, I've said uh, said this to you before, but, um, you know, there, I feel like for them, if they wanted to let the world know that they're going to start heading in the direction of progressive metal, uh, the 22 minute ivory gate of dream song from the no exit album in 1988 was 1988 was their way of doing that. Yeah. I mean, it, 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 they were progressive elements in those early power heavy metal discs, but they blew the doors off. They, they came out with a, a vengeance to basically tell the, to tell the world we're going in a different direction. Um, as of the Ivergated Dreams, that that is um, a classic, classic song, and 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 from there, as they moved into Perfect Symmetry and as they moved into Parallels, they they got a little bit more of commercial sounding in their sound, in the sense that I think they wanted to definitely appeal to a wider audience. But the progressive roots were obviously firmly, firmly entrenched at that point, uh, and, and as, as as one would argue that Parallels is actually their most uh, accessible disc in the sense that you can turn it on and right away you just fall in love with some of the the hooks in that album. But as we get into Inside Out in 1994, they've really uh, they they've really tried to strike a chord with like uh, the progressive audience. Without a doubt, I mean, you look back at 
like perfect symmetry and parallels and you have songs like through different eyes and point of view and um life and still water and and they're just like very crunchy very like toe tapping you know just catchy catchy and i totally agree with you that whole like radio friendly accessible sound without straying too far from that kind of Bates warning you know style um and and as they move into inside out it was as if they were gonna they were saying like let's try to do something a little bit more progressive a little bit more um more mid-tempo songs more a little less of that kind of crunchy like like um toe tapping uh radio hit type songs it's it's a way more like it's a mellower experience um and it's definitely a lot more progressive um i i think like after the opening track outside looking in which is kind of in that in that vein of like a really like crunchy song um you know it starts to go into just a a more kind of just chill atmosphere with you know pale fire on the strand and um it's like they kind of like almost hit that like that 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 heavier rock kind of um fast paced with like songs like shelter me but like it's just they don't like quite get to where they were on those those previous albums i feel i i would agree i'm not sure if it was a concerted effort on their part or if it was just that they were trying to go in a little bit of a different direction but just by way of you know change parallels comes out in 1991 uh, hair metal is, you know, in it's kind of waning days at this point, but it's it, that album because of the, the catchiness and, and almost the beautiful simplicity of it. It has those hooks that you, that you mentioned, but as we get to inside out, they've definitely kind of slowed things down a little bit. And, and I don't want to say that it's more simplistic because it's not, it's actually more progressive, but it's just not as it, it doesn't have those hard rocking anthems that I think that they had on some of their earlier releases. And, and that's what makes this album particularly interesting because outside looking in really is by far the hardest rocking track on the entire album. And then from there, every other track is kind of like a mid paced, uh, mid tempo. Uh, you know, there are, there are, there are some heavy sections of songs, but by and large, it's, it's a lot more of a, a, a progressive rock album in many ways. Absolutely. I mean, um, I look at a song like, Island in the Stream, which is just uh, a really beautifully written, um, I guess, I guess you could call it a ballad. Um, just a really beautiful, kind of a slow, slow it down. It's kind of to me like, it's kind of, it, it, it's definitely a highlight to me for this album. Even though I love a, a rocker like Outside Looking In, and I love like a, a really good progressive song like Monument, but Island in the Stream is just this beautiful ballad. And uh, we had the pleasure of seeing them perform it live at uh, Prague power 10 in uh, 2009, I believe it was. And, and I, I was so excited that they, they broke out that, uh, that song. I wasn't really expecting to hear it, but that was such a treat getting to hear that song live. Just something like, just almost like, you know, we're going to, we're going to like take it down a notch and play this, you know, kind of ballady, like just, it's just such a great song. I don't know what else to say. Yeah, it it is a great song, and and it really is kind of like the ballad on the album, and it's I think a fitting spot to have it as the fifth track because it really is kind of just sets the pace because the first four tracks are a little bit catchier, uh, a a little bit harder in the grand scheme of things, but then by the time you get to songs like Down to the Wire and Face the Fear, 
it, it almost seems like Island of the Stream was a transition into the second half of this disc. And, and I'm glad you brought up the Prague Power Show. Uh, you know, we've been going to that festival since 2002, I, I guess, at this point, uh, to, for the better part of 20 years. That Fate's Warning headlining show, uh, it was September 12th, 2009. Uh, that, that show that you referenced, to this day, is one of my favorite all-time sets, not only at that festival, but my, one of my favorite sets that I've ever seen. Part of the reason, of course, is that they pulled out a classic like Island in the Stream, which I never heard uh, or I never expected to hear live. But the rest of that show, it was they, the, the band is so tight and, and was just so on point. And, uh, and if, if I recall, they actually closed the entire show with The Ivory Gate of Dreams, which was another a song that I just never expected to hear, let alone all 22 minutes of it. It was just – it blew me away. Um, and I've had the pleasure of seeing them live on a number of occasions, and, and they really are one of the – tightest uh best sounding live bands i've ever seen and and once in a while they do just really kind of throw a curveball in terms of the, what tracks they include i, I reference uh, uh i saw them back in 2015 at a little club in brooklyn uh, st vitus bar still there really really tiny room and at that show they broke out and they played pale fire as the second track of the set i was not expecting that um and it was just a, another just real gem for me as someone who's been listening to this album for the better part of 25 years well you always gotta love when a band that's been around for as long as they have and have such an expansive catalog could throw a bone to some of the you know the longtime fans that are interested in hearing a deeper cut at a live show every now and again, instead of just hearing, you know, the hits over and over again, which some, some bands are guilty of doing um, when it comes to putting together a set list. Uh, it, it's nice to know that you can go see fate's warning and, and you might, you might just get to hear a, a diamond in the rough. Yeah, I, I exactly. And, and I think that a lot of bands uh, more and more are falling a little bit of uh, into that trap of, of just playing the hits to get the people in the door. And because there's certain songs uh, that people obviously want to hear, but at the same time, you know, as you get deeper and deeper into a catalog, longtime fans kind of crave that uh, that one-off that you're just not expecting—a pale fire, an ivory gate of dreams, um, uh, an island in the stream. So, to, to longtime fans such as ourselves, it was really a, a treat to hear some of those tracks. Um, Chris, well, if, if there was one track that you would recommend that people really take a listen to, if they've either never heard Fate's Warning or they've never heard this album, which track either stands out to you or is the must-listen on this album? Uh, for me, I mean, it's it's always going to come back to Outside Looking In. For me, it was the first Fate's Warning song I ever heard. Um, it still stands up to this day. It's a real just it's a real rockin' song. Um, I still listen to it, and when I hear that opening riff to the song, I just it, I just get the goosebumps. I'm just it just reminds me of of what made me love heavy metal when I first heard it. Um, and if I and if and I just have to mention Island in the Stream again, like two songs that are on completely opposite ends of the spectrum, um, but both just a real just a real great um, representation of how varied fate's warning is as a band even on just one album so um i'd say outside looking in and then uh island in the stream a, a close second uh, you can't go wrong there i will go with the quote-unquote commercial pick and i will go with monument and the reason i go with monument is just because again when i when i when i first heard that particular song that was what hooked me 
uh, onto progressive metal, and it's why it's still my favorite genre to this day. Um, not that songs like Pull Me Under and, and, and those other, you know, classic, quote unquote, classic progressive metal songs aren't uh, great. They are phenomenal, and I could listen to them every single day. But Monument was the song that really bridged the gap between what I was listening to and what I would begin to listen to every day for the next 25 years. And and, and for that reason, I, I have to give that song the nod. Um, if you are listening to the whole album, the track that immediately precedes Monument, Inward Bound, is an instrumental track. And I think it was purposely placed there as almost like an introduction to the song. And, and they really do work exceptionally well together, although Monument as a standalone track obviously is fantastic. But w- with that introduction, it is a it is a perfect uh, intro into not only uh, this album but into Fate's Warning in general, especially the what they've been doing since Inside Out. Absolutely, it's this just like very haunting, um, very harrowing song that kind of leads you right in. I, I almost feel like you have to listen to it if you're going to listen to Monument. You should just listen to those that two and a half minutes of of intro and and I think that. Overall, like our choice, our choices are pretty much going to set the table for what, like our tastes are going to be uh, on this podcast going forward. Uh, you're going to probably lean towards more progressive type stuff, and I'm going to lean more towards power type stuff. But the fact that we both like both types of stuff, just one more than the other, I guess, is, it should make for some interesting conversations going forward. Totally. And I think that as we get deeper and deeper into uh, our selections, I think that we're also going to have some surprises in terms of as we as we branch out to some other genres, either stuff that you may not be as in tune with or stuff that you may not have heard in a long time, or conversely, stuff that you may never heard of all. I, I think that it's going to make for a very interesting dialogue. And we'd love to get your thoughts uh, in the... Um uh, the captions that you'll you'll see that come with the podcast, we invite you to join us on our Instagram, our Facebook page, um, and, and we'll plug those uh, at some other point. But we, you know, we'd love to uh, have you join in the dialogue and get a sense from you, the listeners, as to what your favorite tracks are, what you think of the album, and obviously, if there's any albums that you'd like us to cover going forward, we, we'd, we'd certainly welcome those comments. I, I just have a couple of other things I want to say about the album. Uh, a track number seven is a song called Face the Fear. And it was really a track that I didn't pay too much attention to when I first heard the disc, not because I didn't like it, but just because I thought it was overshadowed by other songs. And to a certain extent, I still feel that way. But as I listened to it, I, I think it actually sets the table for what this band would become uh, on their future albums. And, and by that, I mean, the, Fate's Warning has been releasing albums consistently since Inside Out. They came out with A Pleasant Shade of Grey in 1997, which to many is their magnum opus, which is really one long 12-song track um, that clocks in at about an hour, which is just uh, a progressive metal masterpiece. But after that, they've released uh, albums every four or five years since then, give or take. And I think a song like Face the Fear actually sets the tempo um, and, and the mood for what they did on every other album going forward. And it was almost like they found this formula that they not only liked, but that, that the fans appreciated and they just took it and they've been running with it ever since. And that's not, that's not a knock against them for not deviating because the tracks are very, very different. And, they, and, and, and I look forward to their new release, which is uh, due out, I believe uh, in a couple of weeks, uh, long day, good night. Um, but 
you know, it's, it's, it, to me, as I, as I listen to these albums, it seems to always come back to that face the fear type formula. Would you agree or am I totally off base here? No, I would definitely agree with that for sure. Um, I think like Pale Fire is another song, like you mentioned before, is kind of in that vein as well. Just kind of, uh, yeah, like I I would definitely agree. Um, I don't, I guess if you were going to say that like Fate's, a Fate's Warning signature sound like that, you know, since, since, you know, the late eighties, early nineties, when they became more of a progressive band, I would say that that you pretty much hit the nail on the head. And, and the only other thing I would say is that what really stood out to me about this disc, and then I'll and I'll throw to you for some final thoughts on the album. But Mark Zonder's drumming on this disc to this day blows me away. I, I don't understand. I don't understand not only where he got some of his fills from, but really where he just where some of these ideas came from in terms of every single song is just it's almost like a masterclass in, in drumming precision, at least to my ears. And, and, and let, let me be clear. I don't play the drums. I don't play the guitar. I just, I'm a fan, right? I, I'm, I'm the guy who listens to the disc and I know what I enjoy and I know what uh, maybe doesn't appeal to me as much, but I, I thought his drumming on this disc deserves special recognition for how awesome, um, how awesome it sounds. Absolutely. I, I would also just want to mention that, you know, it, you want to feel like, you want to be able to feel like 1994 wasn't that long ago, but we're talking about 26 years ago. Um, the production on this album is really, really well done. Like sometimes you get that kind of like mid to late eighties disc, like where it's not loud enough or it's not bassy enough, or it just doesn't sound very good. Uh, this is, you know, probably a time where um, production, is getting much better overall in the music industry, but I think it's just like worth pointing out um, how, how good the production is on the sound, probably fate's warnings, best production up until that point. Oh, I, 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 without question. And it's funny because I listened to the original recording when, when I kind of went back in time and I went back in the time machine, this album was actually re-released and I believe remastered in 2012. I have not heard the original uh, recording uh, I should say I haven't heard the remastered version because, in my opinion, it didn't need to be done. I, that that 2012 release does come with a lot of cool stuff, and we'll, we'll get briefly into that. But the actual album itself sounded so good and still holds up so well that I don't even know that the actual album itself needed to be remastered. Still, though, check out the 2012 release because it comes with a second disc of live tracks and demos. It comes with a sell, uh, another DVD, which includes... Uh, eight or nine tracks from from the album, uh, obviously live, and then uh, a number of cool uh, extras on, on DVD. So it's it's definitely worth checking out. But I've never actually heard the the album in its remastered form. I just to me don't mess with perfection, and, and this is one of the best mixed decks. Mixed best, yeah, easy for me to say. Best mixed albums uh, of of that kind of like mid nineties progressive era. Absolutely, uh, I definitely recommend the. The DVD extra, um, it's a, a live show way before I think anybody had any clue that there was going to be these DVD concert releases years later. Um, it, it was, if I recall, I think it's just like a one, a one camera on a tripod set up and they just filmed them during uh, one of their shows uh, during the Inside Out tour. And uh, I mean, it's not going to blow you away as far as quality goes, but I mean, if you want to just see what the band was, was like playing in, in that, in that era of 1994, 1995, 
it's definitely worth checking out. I know I wa- I bought that version of the album just just for the DVD. I didn't really need a remastered version, like you said, of an album that was produced pretty pretty darn well from the the get go. But um, I- I'm always a sucker for a DVD uh, being thrown in to, so I'll gladly buy an album I have already just to get you know some DVD you know extra stuff, li- live concerts, things of that nature. It's definitely worth um, if you're gonna buy the album anyway you might as well get all the treats that come with it it also has um that bonus disc also has some of the original demos from the recording and some of the live tracks they did there's a very cool live version of the 11th hour on there um so if you don't have the album and you're thinking about getting it that's probably the the edition that you'd want to go with if you just want to really get that full 1994 fate's warning experience and it also includes Circles, which is an unreleased track that was basically on their Chasing Time Best Of, but it was the only place to hear it prior to um, this re-release. It's a fantastic uh, a fantastic uh, B-side or unreleased track, if you will. Um, I, I guess that leaves us with one other question, really, which is uh, the old uh, the old what do you rate the album? And, and we'll use a 1 to 10 scale, obviously, um, just to make things a little bit simple. 1 being don't waste your time and 10 being a absolute perfect uh album that you wouldn't change a single note on um what are your thoughts where, where does where is inside out fates and in, or i should say where does inside out kind of land in the fates warning pantheon and then of course just uh in, in general what what would you rate this disc uh well for me i mean i am forever going to go back and forth between parallels and inside out as my two favorite fates warning albums i just think that Though different, they both really represent what Fate's Warning is all about from a a real just catchy, toe-tapping songs like Point of View to just like a super like emotional ride that Island in the Stream is. Um, so for me, like that's pretty much as good as it gets when it comes to Fate's Warning, in my opinion. Um uh, from, a, from a scale of one to ten, to me, uh, Inside Out, I wouldn't call it a perfect album, but it's pretty damn close. Uh, I give it a, a nine point zero out of ten. Nice. Um, I, I'll, I'll say this: when when I grab or when when I have you know limited time with all with all the new releases and obviously wanting uh, to check out stuff that you know maybe I haven't checked out in some time, this is not the first. Fate's warning disc I usually go to. Uh, I usually either go to Parallels or A Pleasant Shade of Grey, and I'm not sure why that is. It's just, for whatever reason, those are the ones that I seem to go back to. So I had, and even though I've listened to this disc hundreds of times, I think that I had some preconceived notions as as to what I thought I was going to think about it, not having heard it in in some time. And I kind of thought I would go into it because I, I do have such fond memories of the album that it was going to be about an eight. But I got to be honest, after having gone back and listened to it, it it actually is even better than I thought, or at least better than I remembered it. And it's not so much because of songs like Monument or Outside Looking In, which are tense. Those those are perfect songs, but it's because those some of those lesser tracks, such as A Shelter Me or An Island in the Stream, those tracks are just so good. And I just missed hearing those songs that to me... The album is a a solid eight and a half, and I just I, I can't recommend the album enough. And I do think it's a very good 
album if you've never heard the band to really just kind of immerse yourself in into what they have been doing really for for like i said for the better part of, of two decades now um so to me it's a, it's an eight and a half for me uh, a solid nine from you and it's uh it's just a it's a fantastic fantastic listening experience um i, I look forward to their new album like i said i believe they have a, a new album that's uh, set to come out uh, somewhere in uh, November 6th, I believe. Uh, I, I heard the single from that and, and it just reminded me of uh, a little bit more punchier version of what was otherwise on this album. Agreed, agreed. And, and they definitely are just one of those bands where I still look forward to when they come out with a new album. Like it's because I know it's going to be good. Like it, it, they just don't make bad albums. Yeah, it's it, they're they're consistent uh, almost to a fault in that they've raised the expectations of the listener that they expect something great every time they every time they release an album which again it's not a, they're not a band that's releasing an album every every six months so it's it is a treat every four or five years when you when you get the new disc in your hands um I, and i'll say this um you know I, I think you picked a perfect album to really start the dialogue and really as a launching point uh for the metal exchange podcast um, and, and I know that this week you would ask me, you know, Justin, I, I pick pick something for, for next week, and I'm happy to do that. But I think we're going to go in a little bit of a different direction. Um, this is, as I said, a, a progressive metal masterpiece. But to, but next week we're going to go into uh, a, a classic speed metal or power metal album that um, sometimes gets lost in the shuffle just because of the massive uh, discography and uh, that this band has. And I know that without even saying the name of the band, this is one of, if not your favorite power metal band, and it's certainly mine as well. And we're going to go back in time to the Walls of Jericho album by Halloween. Uh, we're going we're gonna to listen not just to uh, its original release, but we're going to listen to basically all the bells and whistles that came along with Walls of Jericho, or at least now that comes with it, uh, with the Judas EP and everything else. And I, I think that this album uh, is really going to be a nice transition and a nice contrast to what we got to hear this week with Fate's Warning. Uh, yeah, I would say contrast is the uh, the right word there. Uh, I consider myself to be something of a, of a Halloween historian having um, run the, uh, or helped run the Future World website for uh, for many years. I there was a time in my life where I could not get enough information, song, lyrics, who wrote what song uh, when it comes to Halloween. They're without a doubt one of my all-time favorite bands not just power metal or metal but just all in all music um so discussing their first major release uh is super exciting for me and i'm i'm looking forward to going back and listening to it again because i'm not really even too sure when the last time i sat down and listened to walls of jericho start to finish uh it's probably been a while and um it's funny i have a i have memories of buying the the cd and and i'll tell that story uh on next week's episode but um yeah that's a great choice and i really do uh i look forward to listening to it again and and uh and talking about it with you yeah you know it's it's funny we we, we would have been having these conversations anyway but we might as well uh, put it out there for you the listener to kind of uh you know critique and, and just get your opinions as well, because we were having the conversations anyway, and we thought that there might be uh, some interest in having other people hear what our thoughts were as just, uh, you know, as just two fans. So without uh, without uh, any other delay, we will turn it over next week to Walls of Jericho, and uh, we thank you for tuning in. Thanks again, uh, Justin. It's been a pleasure talking to you, and uh, we'll uh, see everybody next week. Thanks, bud. Talk to you soon. All right. Bye.